Hello, this is Rabbi Eric Levy. I'm pleased to bring to you the fourth Aliyah of the Sidrav Shoftim in the book of Devarim for OU Shnayim Mikra Echad Targum Project. Aliyah 4, which begins in chapter 18, verse 6, continues to talk about the priest. It's not clear to me why the Aliyot were broken up this way. It's not clear to me why this information wasn't put in the previous short Aliyah, but in any event, um, even though this uh, section seems to be mentions only the word Levi, based on the context, context, it's clear that it is referring specifically to the behavior and the benefits of the sub-Levi tribe of the Kohanim and deals with the conditions of their service in the temple and the benefits they get by serving in the temple. As I've mentioned uh, so many times before that I know I'm probably boring you to death, my focus here is on the plain sense, but uh, there's no question that traditional Judaism believes that Without uh, the oral Torah, the written Torah is uh, hard to understand. Um, for instance, or impossible to understand, I should say. Uh, oral law, for instance, understands part of this upcoming section is dealing with showbreads, even though the showbreads, the breads that were on the shulchan in the uh, in the temple, uh, are not explicitly stated here. Um, but as I said, my focus is on the plain sense of the text and the oral law, while it is the ikar is not the uh, focus of the Shirim. Kiyavo seems to mean when the Levi, which really means when the Kohen, who is a Levi, should want to come from one of his gates, which means one of the settlements that he lives in. Remember, Levi did not get their own cities. Either they lived among the tribes or they lived in the, the major or minor cities of refuge that were also scattered throughout the tribe. So what it's saying is the Kohen is going to have a situation of Bechol Avat Nafsho. When the Kohen, when the Kohen should want to come and serve in the temple, Bechol Avat Nafsho, which means whenever he just wants to. Because what happened was every priestly family was assigned certain weeks of the year that they had to serve in the temple. The Talmud, uh, uh, Tanit, and in other places discusses that Moshe divided up a certain number of families and then David uh, uh, divided up the families into smaller sections or, or I should say more divisions so each one would serve a slightly less time in the temple. But the bottom line is each family unit of the Kohanim were given certain weeks of the year that it was mandatory for them to serve, and they would, of course, benefit from the sacrifices, from taking a portion of the sacrifices and the showbreads and whatnot that they did while they were doing their more mandatory census. So what the plain sense of what is the text is saying here is that should a Kohen just want to come up and do volunteer work in the temple on times that were not his mandatory times, he could, in fact, come up and do so and, in fact, receive some extra benefits. Um, oral law understands this as specifically dealing with the Kohanim who came up for the pilgrimage holidays, that they could offer their own sacrifices for the holidays, and rather than having rather than having those sacrifices done by the assigned Kohen family on call, they could do it themselves. But the simple text is, you know, if on Tuesday I just want to go up and work on the temple a little bit and enjoy a few showbreads or enjoy, uh, enjoy a little bit of the service, um, I could do that. And he can serve in the name of the Lord his God, just like his brothers that are on mandatory duty, which means voluntary duty is equal to mandatory duty. That is, the, the duty of those 
the mandatory duty, which literally is uh, the word ha'omdim, which means those standing, those required to stand at that time, lifnei Hashem. So what that means, if Sharei b'shem Hashem, he also is considered a fully functional coin, even though he is just volunteering work at this time in the uh, in, in the temple. And then what it says, he'll eat portion for portion, that is equal amount, an equal amount, levad mim karavala avot, which seems to mean, the word levad seems to mean in addition to, or maybe better yet, without taking away from portions set aside for their families, which means he still gets the standard portion based on when his family goes up, when he goes up with his family to do his standard required mandatory weeks of service. But by the fact that he's also eating a little bit on the side because he decides on some other week that he'd like to go up and do a few days of work, that does not get detracted or subtracted from the mimkarav al havot, the standard portioning uh, of his uh, of his mandatory family's requirements. And now we move on to a, a section that is not coin related. Kiata ba el haaretz asher adonai lachanotein lacha or lach lo tilmad lasok to avot agayim haheim. We're now moving on to a warning as follows. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to do uh, the abominations of those nations, that is the nations who are living in Canaan at the time, and those who must be conquered or must change their ways. That is, Israel had a, when Israel was going into uh, the land to conquer, it did give uh, an option that the people would uh, drop their idol worship and follow, probably not Torah law, probably be required to follow Noahide law, which are basic moral laws required uh, by non-Jews. And if they said that they would go along with that, they would give up their idol worship, they would uh, be able to continue la- living in the land of Israel. But just because they promised to give up idol worship does not mean that they changed their ways completely. And what we're going to be introduced to is this idea of divination. People want to know or control what's going on in the mystical world and the supernatural world. And they use various ways to get there. And those ways are an abomination. And Israel is being warned not to follow in those ways. Specifically, Lo let there not be found among you those who pass their children through fire. Now there is some dispute about whether the child is killed here or or simply passed through fire as part of some divination ritual. Now elsewhere in the Torah, um, it, there is a prohibition about giving up one's offspring through fire to Moloch, which was the god of the Ammonites, Ammon. Really it was the Ammonites and the Moabites, since they were sister nations and their god, either named Kamosh or or Moloch was really the same uh, god. But in any event, over there by Moloch worship, the child does seem to be actually killed, sacrificed. And we have archaeological digs supporting that this was done, even though it seems impossible that a parent would ever do such a thing. But nonetheless, people did sacrifice their children for their religion. Here, however, the overall theme is various types of divination. So it seems that we're not talking about Moloch worship here, but a different abomination. Uh, perhaps uh, the, the child seems to live, and maybe what they did was they passed the child through fire, and by passing through fire, there was some way to perceive the supernatural world, and they would pretend they would uh, see something that they would then bring back from the other side of the fire, so to speak, and deliver to those looking for the divination. Now, these other divination types, you know, they're best guesses when I translate them. Um, for instance, Rashi describes Kosem Ksamim as some type of Ouija board or a dowsing stick. 
that was used to point it to the right answer. Ma'onein um, perhaps comes from the word answering, from the word oneh, and it may have been somebody who uh, pretended to listen to some unheard voice speaking in his ear and answered questions that were asked of him uh, in the name of that hidden creature. Amenacheish, based on Sefer Vayikra, seems to be some t- uh, form of asking uh, demons or spell casting, and the word is similar to whispering or mumbling, which the practitioner did as part of the process. Mechashev is some kind of sorcerer, and it was one of the jobs listed among Paro's magicians in Shemot. Chover Chever seems to be something to do with combining things. The word Lechaber means to combine. Rashi said they put animals like snakes and the like together, or even, even Ezra says some kind of demons. And Ov and Yidoni are some type of aged people, apparently, that spoke for the dead or for the spirits of the underworld. Uh, Rashi says Yidoni took the bones from the dead and stuck it in their mouths and pretended that the voice was coming from the bone, as if when you asked that person a question, the answer that he was giving was actually coming from the dead person. In Vayikra, it's interesting, it actually says, do not go to the Ov, the Yidoni, and contrast them to the correct behavior of simply standing up and respecting elders and the wise. Uh, so maybe the sense there is don't go asking these aged people as if they have some connection with the underworld, just respect them for being aged, and if they say anything good, it's because coming from their own wisdom. Uh Amitim is pretty straightforward, one who goes to the dead for oracles, and I have to say, the practice of, uh, of uh, divining what uh, people's dead parents or dead relatives want to say to you is unfortunately, uh, God defines it as abomination, and unfortunately, uh, it's alive and well in some otherwise very normal circumstances, uh, circles today. Because it is an abomination to the Lord when anyone does any of these things, and it is because of these abominations that your Lord, the Lord your God is causing them to be conquered from before you. Rather, be pure with the Lord your God, which means do not start thinking that there are other powers and forces that can give you insight, that can tell you what to do, that have some control over nature. It is God and only God. As I've mentioned before, uh, while idol worship is a bad thing, more common and more insidious is someone who believes in God. That is, I could believe in God, but I could also believe that I could tap into some other supernatural force in order either to know how to behave or even to control my destiny or know what's going to happen in the future. And this kind of, it's, it's more insidious because this person never really feels that they're doing anything wrong. They, they're not worshiping other gods at all. Um, but the very practice is an abomination because it goes against the fundamentals of monotheism besides believing in things which one cannot believe in. And ultimately you start getting in situations of Mavir Be'esh where you pass through fire or starting believing in demons with all the negative things that come uh, with that. Uh, there's another interesting issue here. I always found it interesting, which is that apparently the right to exist in the land of Israel is not based on who you are, but what you do. It's performance, behavior-based. Because it says, apparently, we could infer, uh, that had these nations, these Canaanites, as bad as they were, has they not pr- practiced these abominations, and no doubt others, it's not at all clear that they could have been cleared out from the land, and therefore it's not at all clear that we could have moved into the land. Um, they would have not have lost their rights to the land, and therefore we could not have so easily conquered them, and would not have had the right to, apparently. And if Israel's behavior therefore, becomes immoral and deviant, and therefore, we become no better than the original Canaanites, then we have no more right to exist in the Holy Land than they did. We're not chosen because of who we are. We're chosen because of how our forefathers behaved, and the covenant, and how we will continue to behave. And and 
I don't want to get into the territory of saying we're unchosen. Once the covenant is made, that covenant is never broken. But our ability, so our ability to be the chosen people, the Jewish people, that never goes away. But the rights of the Jewish people to perform their mission in the Holy Land of Israel, that could go away if our actions turn towards abomination. At least that's what the text seems to say, and I, I think that's what I believe. Um, in the next Aliyah, the Torah will provide the kosher alternative to soothsayers, soothsayers to these uh, uh, div- divination people, because I think the Torah understands that people do need to get a sense uh, of the unknown, and if uh, you're not going to be able to turn to the diviners, to whom then will they turn? To find out, stay tuned to tomorrow's Aliyah number five.